Oh, good morning, family. How are we today? It's great to see you on this Palm Sunday morning. Show of hands, how many of you, uh, maybe not literally, but how many of you felt like you needed to come to church in a pontoon boat today? Anyone else here? Man, I tell you what, we had an early warning system about the flood coming at our house this morning. Our sweet daughter, Emma, she's just, I love this little sweetheart, almost seven years old. But we know when there's going to be a storm because as soon as she hears anything that might be a storm, we get a little knock on our door and a little visitor in our bed. And so this morning we had a buddy come. And so I'm just glad to see you today as we celebrate the coming of Jesus and the arrival in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. We're going to dive into this Palm Sunday text in a moment because, friend, I think it speaks to where we are as a church and perhaps where you are personally today. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, Matthew chapter 21. While you're turning there, just a couple of things. This week, we begin Holy Week today. Holy Week is the week that celebrates Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, clearing the temple, final meal with his friends, the Passover Lord's Supper, his time in the Garden of Gethsemane, his arrest, his trial, his execution on a cross, and it all ends and culminates next Sunday morning with the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's not a myth. It's not make-believe. It's not a metaphor. But Jesus, our hope is that Jesus bodily raised from the dead, he kicked the teeth out of death. So if you're in Christ, although death will touch each of us, it does not get the final word. And that's what Easter is all about. In fact, we want to tell you about two things Evan shared a moment ago. Let me just remind you, this Friday night, 7 p.m., online only, we have a Good Friday experience. Good Friday experience where we will have some music, some scripture, and a message And I want to invite you to be a part of that moment because as you are processing what we're going into, what I would hate is for any of us to miss the moment of Easter, that we would skip by the moment. See, you can't have Sunday without Friday. You can't have a resurrection without a death. And so we're going to come together on Friday night and we're going to remember what Christ did so that next Sunday will mean that much more. So Friday night, 7 p.m. online, it's going to be a great time. Hope you'll join us there. And then Sunday morning, I'm going to ask you, go ahead and plan on being with us Sunday morning in person or online at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Now, I need your help on something. Are you ready? And I mean this. I need you to listen. You have friends who will never go to church if I invite them. But if you invite them, they will take that next step. You also have friends who will not darken the door of a church even if you invite them. But they will come to your house if you invite them. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you have a friend that you've been praying for, I would ask you to invite them to celebrate Easter with you. If that means bringing them here, praise God. If you don't think they'll come here, say, would you come to my house for Easter? You skip coming here for the sake of your friend, turn on the TV, the iPad, whatever it may be, and you celebrate with us at your home with your friend because here's the reality. We are here to reach the next person for Jesus, not simply celebrate that we have met Jesus. And so I'm going to invite you, share the good news of Jesus, invite a friend to be a part of Easter with you next Sunday as well. All right, you guys ready to jump in the text? You're going to do it anyway, might as well be gracious and say yes, okay? I'll try this again. Are you guys ready to jump into the text this morning? Oh, I'm so glad to hear it. 
Let's go. Matthew chapter 21. These are beautiful words, familiar words, but I pray that God will show you and me something fresh in these familiar words of Matthew 21. Beginning in verse 1, it says this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples. Everybody say, two. He sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them. Curious, we'll come back to that. And he will send them right away. Now this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Who is this who could stir a city, who could shake the very foundation of this place? Who is it who has the ability to do what is happening now? And anyone who knows anything says, oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. On this Palm Sunday, my title for this message, if you like to write down your titles, here's the title. When Jesus comes to town. When Jesus comes to town. Let's pray together. Father, we celebrate that you came, but that you also are coming again, not simply in the future, but even in this moment, that your desire is to meet with each of us, to enter in, to be a part of our lives, not simply as an occupant, but as the ruler. And we ask now that you will show us what you want us to see, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our lives to change, so that we may experience the fullness. Lord, we did not come in here to simply sit for 45 minutes to an hour. We came to be changed. Please, may we leave different than when we came this morning. Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to speak through me. Let your words be mine. Let your thoughts be the ones that come out. And Father, I pray that your family will be blessed today. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. And all those who agree said, amen. I want to share with you three things that happen when Jesus comes to town, because here's the reality. What happened on that first Palm Sunday is happening today. In fact, as we consider what it means to reach the next person for Jesus, for some of us, that may need to begin with us. And I want to give you a picture of what it looks like when Jesus rolls into town. What does it look like if Jesus literally steps foot into the spaces of our lives and our city? Imagine for a moment with me, what if this moment, all the lights shot down and a spotlight appeared back there and in comes Jesus in the flesh. Question, how would you respond this morning? I have news for you, friends. Although he may not be here in physical form, the king of the universe is in your midst right now. 
And so nothing is different from physical form or spiritual form to the way we respond today. And so the three things you see here that I'm going to show you, there's a lot more we can look at, but the three I want to show you are like a prototype. The first in what it looks like when Jesus has control in a space and in a place. And I want to begin with this. When Jesus comes down, number one, write this down. He brings what we need. He brings what we need. Some of you are saying, yeah, yeah, I, I know this, but let me, let me dig a little deeper here. Do you notice it says that Jesus entered into the city? Well, what was the city named? Church? What was the name of the city that Jesus comes into on Palm Sunday? Anyone? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The word Jerusalem literally means the city of peace. Jesus enters into the city known and named peace. But if you knew what was going on in that day, it was anything but peaceful. Israel had been established to be the beachhead of the kingdom of God. From there, the goodness of God would roll out and the whole world would know the goodness of this God. But what happened is centuries earlier, Israel began to exchange the rulership of God with the rulership of men, saying we'd rather be ruled by people than by the prince of peace. And consequently, this city of peace was no longer peaceful. The Roman Empire came in, took over, and now on this Palm Sunday, as people are celebrating Jesus' arrival, they do so with the backdrop of Roman soldiers around the city of Jerusalem. So there was this conflict in the city of peace. You had conflict between Rome and Israel, but you also had conflict between other groups of, of Israelites. There were those who supported The Jewish way of living and opposed Rome, these were called the zealots. They were the freedom fighters of the people of Israel. You then had the tax collectors. Everyone say boo. You had the tax collectors who were Jews who had aligned themselves with Rome, taxing their neighbors to better themselves. So you have this conflict also between the people. But it wasn't just in the political sense. There was also spiritual division among the people of Israel. You had the Pharisees, the righteous religious leaders who knew the law of Moses and lived the law of Moses. And then you had this other group that aligned themselves with the value system of Rome. These are called the Hellenists. They were those who followed Roman philosophy, ideology. They were marked by what the secular culture desired. So you have a world that is split into two. Quick question. Does this sound at all familiar to the world you and I live in today? Anyone else here? I know we're called Chattanooga. Some of us have heard the phrase, we are the gig city, right? I don't know if that's like a legit title, but I've heard it used. We are fast speed. We've got high speed. But quick question. How many of us know you can be moving quickly In the wrong direction. This city of Jerusalem was anything but peaceful. And so when Jesus comes, did you hear what they called out? Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna is a declaration. God save. It is a pronouncement and a request. Save us now. In the backdrop of Roman oppression, Jesus Liberate us from what is wrong, what is broken, what is not right. See, you can be called something on the outside and not experience the reality of that title on the inside. I wonder how many of us may claim a particular title and share it and show it externally, but internally we're anything but that title. How many of us say we are under the rule and reign of God, the kingdom of peace, yet inside our lives are just kind of 
divided, concerned, questioning. See, what happened is whatever rules your life will reign over your life. The value system of Rome ruled and reigned over Israel because Rome ruled and reigned over Israel. You cannot have one thing rule your life and yet have a different set of values in your life. If you want a peaceful life, if you want to be the city of peace, you must be ruled by the prince of peace. It is no coincidence that 500 years before these words were uttered, the prophet Isaiah said, there will come one who will save us all, and one of his titles will be the prince of peace. Now the moment has come. The prince has entered into the city of peace to bring the peace, and the people are ecstatic. He is going to overthrow Rome. We're going to be set free. Peace at last. But do you notice? Jesus did not bring a military revolution. He did not bring what they wanted. He brought them what they needed. In fact, he brought what they would have asked for if they knew what they really needed. Jesus will always bring to you what you need, and it's the thing you would ask for if you knew what you really needed. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, comes, and he begins his move into this city. And what is so interesting to me is that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he comes, and I've been thinking about this a lot, that if Jesus is in my life, if he is the ruler of my life, then his peace will reign over my life. Wherever Jesus rules, his reign of peace extends. Now, here's a question. If there's any place in your life or my life that is not peaceful, is it possible that's an area of life that has yet to be ruled by Jesus Christ? If you find a lack of peace in your marriage, is it possible you need to submit that area of your life afresh to Jesus? Is it possible that if you are not at peace with your finances, that you not simply don't have enough, but you're never satisfied with what you have, that that's an area to submit to the rule and reign of Jesus? See, when Jesus comes to town, he will give you what you need, and he will give me what I need. And it goes deeper than simply the relationships we have. It is a vertical thing that he comes to fix. He was not simply there to set people free from Rome, but to set them free from the sin that was destroying them from the inside out. Let me take you a little deeper here. He comes in on what day of the week, church? Not a trick question. What day is today? Okay, Sunday. Comes in on Sunday. We call it Palm Sunday because they lay down the palm branches. Now, something else is going on. This is the beginning of Passover week. Passover goes back to the book of Exodus when God established a moment, a meal, a memorial when God himself would set Israel free back then from the bondages of slavery in Egypt. And they were to take a lamb They were to kill the lamb, and the blood of the lamb was to be placed over their doorframe. And when God sent his holy angel to deal with the sin of Egypt, they would be freed and safe because they were covered in the blood of the lamb. So now, year after year, the Israelites would celebrate this moment by praying and bringing a sacrificial lamb to die on their behalf. And so now, Passover week is in full effect. Over two million people have flooded the streets of Jerusalem. They are going to the temple to pray. They are going to the temple to present their sacrificial lamb to die on their behalf and covering their sin for the next year, this lamb that would take away their sin for one year. And Jesus shows up 
that week. You say, oh, that's beautiful. But wait, there's more. According to their process and their ritual, it was on this day, Palm Sunday, that all of the potential sacrificial lambs were brought into the city of Jerusalem. They were brought from about five miles away from this small little town where they had been born, where they had been raised. This little city five miles away is the city of Bethlehem. How many of us know Jesus was born in Bethlehem? And so these lamb are brought in from Bethlehem. They will be inspected by the high priest, and if found without blemish, they will be sacrificed for the people. Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, enters the city with all of the sacrificial lambs. He will be inspected, and by the, the leader, Pilate, he will be announced as a man without sin, as a man no fault is found in him, and as a result, Jesus Christ will die as the ultimate sacrificial lamb for you and for me. See, the people had no idea that the Prince of Peace was coming not to liberate them from Rome, but to separate them from sin that had separated them from God. This is what they desperately needed. Friend, this is what our city desperately needs. Friend, we don't need a different mayor. We don't need a different governor. We don't need different city council members. We don't need different temporary leadership. We need a revolution of God coming to our place, inviting the presence of God into every space, the Prince of Peace here and now, uniting us to God. Because if you are perfectly united to God, and I'm perfectly united to God, then how do you think that will impact how you and I are united? He brings what we need And this is what happens on Palm Sunday. So first thing, when Jesus comes, he will extend his peace in your life. So question, if there's an area of life that is not peaceful, have you fully submitted to God? Invite him into that area. See, he does not come in to kill or destroy you. He comes to liberate you from that which will kill and destroy you. Number one, he brings what we need. Number two, when Jesus comes to town, I love this one, my favorite one. Are you ready? Even donkeys are useful. Even donkeys are useful. I love this one. Do you notice? First thing Jesus does before he rolls into town, he sends two disciples ahead of him. He says, I need a vehicle. I need my low rider. He says, there's a donkey and a colt. You go, you get them, bring them to me. I'm going to get on that and we're going to take a little ride into Jerusalem. Now, why in the world a donkey? Now, Matthew gives us one reason. Next few verses, he says, This was to fulfill the prophecy that Messiah would come in on a donkey. You say, okay, well, that's great, but I'm still, because my mind works this way. I've got some sort of issue that you're going to see. It just comes up all the time when I preach. But here's the way I think. I'm like, yes, fulfills a prophecy. But why was it a donkey to begin with? I mean, if Jesus is God, if he is the king of the universe... Why did he pick a donkey? I mean, at least pick something fun. I would imagine him saying, you know what? I think I'm coming in on a unicorn. Or at least a a lion. You know, you get on that thing, people would be bowing down, right? Like, whoa, yes, sir, we are here for you. But what does he choose? A donkey. Why? Why? Let's talk about a donkey for a moment here. What do we know about donkeys? Well, number one, we know that donkeys are stubborn, aren't they? Anyone else know that donkeys can be a little bit stubborn, right? 
Uh, Number two, they are not the most dignified or graceful of the animal kingdom. I mean, come on, really? When you think of like a graceful animal, I think of a stallion or I think of something like that. But, But a donkey? I mean, that is not graceful on any level. And let's go one more step for what do donkeys eat? Anything they can get their mouths on. If it's garbage to you, it's not to them. It's a delicacy. So you have stubborn, graceless, trash-eating animal. And God says, that's what I wanted to ride in on. What? Why? All right, confession time. If I were to describe myself to you before I met Jesus, I would look and sound an awful lot like a donkey. Stubborn. I'm going to go my way. Not only stubborn, I could be as graceless to you and to others and myself. And I would consume things that were not good for me as a way of life. Anyone else identify with the donkey this morning? Let me, let me help you. If you don't, go ahead, turn to your neighbor. Say, I love you, neighbor. Go ahead. I love you, neighbor. But you're a donkey. Go ahead. Feels pretty good to say, doesn't it? Okay, now turn to that one who just called you donkey. Say, oh yeah? You are too. Here's the deal. When Jesus comes to town, he does not choose the best, the brightest, most beautiful. He chooses the stubborn, graceless, trash-eating animals and says, even I can use you. How many of you are so grateful that Jesus chooses to use the lowest and the least? He doesn't only pick the best and the brightest. How many of us would be left on the cutting room floor of life if Jesus only picked the very best? But he comes and he says, I can use even a donkey to get my message of peace into the city that desperately needs it. Oh, but listen, listen. Notice a key detail here before We can be useful for God. Notice he must first untie us. He sends his disciples. He says, you untie the animal. Bring the animal to me. God sends his messengers to untie, to liberate, to bring the good news. Because once he unties you, he can then use you. God wants to use you, friend, to bring the good news of peace into our city. See, some of us have too low of a view of ourselves, not because we are all that great, but because of how great God is. We limit what God can do based on who we are. But hear me now, even the lowest can be used to great things when a servant to Jesus. Oh, how great our God is that he would remind us that no matter where we come from, even donkeys are useful. Friend, God has given you gifts, talents, and abilities. God has allowed you to come through dark moments of your lives. Not, not, hear me now, not to simply go, oh, I'm so glad I made it through. But now that becomes your celebration song because if he could liberate you, now you've got good news to share with others. He can liberate you too because look at what he did for me. When Jesus comes into the city, Even donkeys become useful to him. And number three, number three, I love this one, number three. When Jesus comes to the city, he gives us all a choice, doesn't he? See, here's the reality. There's two groups in the crowd that day. We read about one of them. This is the people who are hungry for salvation, although they don't even know what they want. They don't know what they really need, but they're crying out, Hosanna. But there's another group 
We don't read about them in Matthew, but Luke tells us there's another group who don't think they need salvation. The Pharisees roll up to Jesus in Luke's account of this. And they see what's happening. They hear the save now. They hear the proclamation of what God can do. And they realize that these people are calling for revolt. They're saying, be our king, overthrow Rome. And they're going, that could be really bad for all of us. Because Rome's big, Rome's tough. And if Rome hears that there is a revolt happening, what do you think is going to happen to all of us? And so the Pharisees come to Jesus and they make this statement. They say, Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, in 21st century translation, that's tell them to be quiet. Tell them to, hey, you can be excited, just don't say anything about it. You can have hope for yourself, just keep it to yourself. Don't you make a ruckus because there's a price to be paid if you make noise for, hear me now, Jesus. How many of us know there's a price if you speak up for Jesus? And friend, if you don't know that there's a price, then I would ask you, have you spoken up for him? Because here's the reality, here's the reality. Jesus, he is so good, he gives you and me a choice to step into relationship and receive him as our king of peace, our prince of peace, our giver of peace. But he says, you get the choice. See, Rome, Rome doesn't give you a choice. Rome rules, whether you like it or not. Jesus offers his rulership over your life. And you get the chance to say yes to him. In fact, he gives us the choice to receive or reject him. Say, yes, yes, I want this, I want this, yes, I need this, I need this. Or say, no, I've got it all figured out. And see, for some of us, we may even say, yes, I need it, but I recognize the potential cost of claiming Christ. We've got our own Romans in this world, don't we? People that we want to impress or we're afraid of their opinion. We have situations that we know if we step into full obedience and trust with Jesus, that means others may not like us the same way, but there's this beautiful promise in Scripture. Jesus himself says that if you will confess me before men, then Jesus promises to say about you to God that he knows you. In other words, if you say, I know Jesus, Jesus say, I know you. But if you say, I don't know Jesus, Jesus say, I don't know you. You and I are given the choice to receive or reject Jesus. See, Palm Sunday is not simply about Jesus coming in. It is a story about you and I choosing today because when Jesus comes to town, there is always A choice. In this moment, Christ has not simply come to our city, but he has come to this space. He is welcoming you and asking for you to welcome him. If you know Christ, then you know what we're talking about. If you've yet to say yes to Jesus, then he is asking today, will you let me come in and be a part of your life? Will you repent of your sin? Will you simply say, I can't do this anymore? And will you receive me, he says, through the waters of baptism, experience new life to be a part of his family. This is the picture of what happens when Jesus comes to town. And there is a city in desperate need of a prince of peace. But it may be that the prince of peace needs to first come into your heart to untie you from certain things, to liberate you, 
And there may be some areas in your life you say, yeah, I already gave him my heart. I'm already a part of his family. But there are these little areas that just continue to grab me and hold me. I need liberation. But when Jesus comes, he says, I can fix all of it. Will you welcome me in?